Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Welcome to Moms and Murder, our true crime podcast that features me and Melissa, and me is Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're just me now. Yeah. <laughs> that works for me, actually. Um, those are my initials, so you can call me that if you want. Yeah. I thought your name was Dandy Mandy. That's but... that's my real name, for yeah. sure. <laughs> we are so excited to be recording a new episode for you guys, um, but as usual, we're going to talk about a few quick things that we have going on. Nothing really major. Just kidding. We do have a major announcement, but it's you'll major. have to. It's so major. It's like I'm freaking super out. Super major. So you'll have to wait just a minute for that. So first of all, we are going to let you guys know about our new hashtag that we just introduced today, which is Friday. Hour and a half ago. Right. <laughs> Two hour stops. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun with the I'm Invincible When hashtag, and we had a lot of really fun suggestions that we read to you guys. But I think we're all invincible now because we stopped getting suggestions. So yeah. I think everybody is just completely invincible. We, so good job. Our mission is accomplished. There you go. You're all going to survive and look at um, security cameras. So we've right. done our job. Right. So we wanted to keep up the fun of having a hashtag that we used and, you know, continue to keep you guys involved with the show and everything. So we are going to be doing a new one that's going to be on my dateline. Wait, what is Wait. it? <laughs> Hashtag on my dateline. Okay. Okay. So I was right. You were right, but you missed I was about to really. say like on my dateline when. I don't know. I'm like so out of it today. So anyway, on my dateline. That's our new hashtag. So we're looking for funny little things that you would want on your dateline. So for example, Melissa here 
says that on her dateline, she only wants Keith Morrison to do it. So, Well, currently I'm looking at, no lie, a tweet from Josh Mankiewicz, who replied to me on Twitter and wrote, I wish to something I wrote. So are you following us on Twitter to see what Josh Mankiewicz is talking about? Because I'm panicking. I'm just panicking. And this is not the first time. So we've no. had, I mean, we're basically besties with Mankiewicz I, at this point. But I don't think he knows we're not actually besties. I don't know how to break this to him, that he's not the one I want. <laughs> And I'm going to be screwed and have him as part of my dateline. And this isn't what I wanted. Please play this for me. RIP me. I don't like this. <laughs> okay, so we have a really, really, really big thing that we want to share with everyone. We've kind of already shared this a little bit um, in our Facebook group. And if you have not joined that group, you definitely should. Mum's the word. Mum's the word. Yes. It's our favorite group. We love it so much. We have added a few new moderators in there. So it's just a big happy party and it's just yeah. growing and growing. So yeah, come join us over there and find out all these fun things before we talk about them on the show. Right. So um, yeah, so here's... Okay. I don't we, even we don't know, even how, to know do how to say it. I don't know how to start this. <laughs> so my kids have been sick for like... 17 weeks. I don't even know how long they've been sick. So I haven't slept. So I decided in the middle of the night, I'm going to write the mom, the ladies from I Mom So Hard. Hashtag I Mom So Hard. Right. Because we love them and they're wonderful. And, and hilarious. If, and hilarious. But even if you're not a mom, they're so funny. And like as a, a female, I relate to them a lot. And as a mom, I relate to them. But like, it's just so over the top, hilarious. I don't know. You have to watch their videos. It's hashtag I Mom So Hard. Twitter, Facebook. Instagram. Everywhere. So I got up the nerve to write them and say, hey, by the way, I heard you guys really like true crime and true crime podcasts. Want to be on our show? Fell asleep finally in like <laughs> a fever haze or something. And like a day later, or no, the next Monday, I guess, Monday, I got an email back or a message back from them that was like, yeah, we love your show and we want to be on it. And so, so we had a complete freak out. Freak, freak, freak out. We accomplished nothing in our lives on Monday. It was just her and I messaging each other back and forth saying, what are they doing? Are they sure? Oh, no, we're going to screw this up. <laughs> Can you please check this message and make sure I'm reading it right? Are we being punked? <laughs> Every type of thing ever. So we've now been in touch with their management because they have management. Right. And are currently <laughs> on tour in a tour bus. And we're scheduling to um, have them on our show in Hopefully January. Hopefully January, yes. We're working out the details and kind of throwing some dates around back and forth. So we are... And we're trying to look important. We were like, well, there's one day in January. Yeah, can't yeah, of course. <laughs> Their manager was like, are there any dates that don't work for you? And we're like, no, we'll literally make anything work. So but, Yeah, so we're trying not to look too... too desperate? E yeah, too desperate. But we totally are. I will put my kids on the side of the highway for an hour if I have to to talk to them. <laughs> I'll come back for them. But, you know, we'll make this happen, so... Please, God, nobody ever find my kids on the side of the highway. <laughs> so anyway, so we are super excited if you can't tell about that. And we were, yeah, so nothing else matters besides that. Right. Right? I mean, we're... This is like the biggest thing that's ever happened in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. I like. We have no words. We don't yeah. even have words for this. I mean, Monday through Thursday was a bust for me. I've just right. been riding this high the whole entire time. So anyway, we're super excited. We will stop talking about that, but we'll announce whenever we get closer, basically on a daily countdown of when we will be, they will be on our show. So. Oh yeah. We're, it's going to be a big deal. You, you won't miss it or yeah, there's you no won't miss the memo it. because we're going to be talking about it We will write forever. personal invites to everyone. Right. <laughs> you, you'll receive a save the date card and then a formal invitation. And <laughs> 
wedding for us. This is like the biggest thing ever. Also, our weddings were pretty big deals. But so, <laughs> um, also, yeah. So let's get started with the show for goodness sakes. Okay. So now that we're done having our little freak out over here, yeah. we are going to get right into the episode. And today we're going to be talking about the story of Darlene Gentry and her husband. And Darlene was living a pretty charmed life before all of this craziness went down. Right. She was a former beauty queen who had really married her Prince Charming. They had a really good start to their relationship yeah. and everything was going well. They had a three-year relationship before they got engaged and that was back in 1999 and they, of course, got married. And Keith's parents loved Darlene. They thought that she was just perfect for their son and eventually she became like a daughter to them as well. And uh, I know this is like terrible of me to say, but... But I'll do it anyway. But um, yeah, I'm sure they did like her because I'm, I don't, I don't want to be mean. Hold I thought on. he was a, a nice looking guy, but I felt like she was a little out of his league. Yikes. Um, coming in hot. <laughs> she was a beauty queen right for beginning. crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was a very attractive man. I don't base everything on looks. Hashtag. I'm <laughs> apparently not. she didn't either, but apparently I do. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I read that um, they were, she was actually so close to the family that they broke up for about a year and she moved to Dallas and stayed there until her car got broken into and then decided to come on back home. But she was just so close to the family. She couldn't stand to not see them or, you know, to run into them. I can see that coming from a smallish town outside of Tallahassee. If you break up with somebody there, you're just going to see them for the rest of your lives. Right. Which is how I ended up in Orlando. (laughs) Really? No. I mean, my (laughs) husband is here, but I was happy to leave there because you just know everybody. And if you dated somebody that lives there, you see their mom and their sister and they're lovely people, but it's like in your face all the time. Right. So I wasn't trying to be mean about it, but I'm just saying whenever you have like a beauty queen type, I feel like you typically don't see them with... I honestly found him attractive. Yeah, I, he's. I didn't say he was hideous or anything. Jeez, he was no like Kendall though. <laughs> Kendall or Kendall? Ken doll. <laughs> Keep going. So, <laughs> after their wedding, Keith began working as a traveling electrician for an architecture firm, and the newlywed couple decided to have a home built right next door to his parents' house in Robinson, Texas, which is, if you're not familiar with that area, I had never heard of it, but it's uh, near Waco. It's actually part of the Waco metro area. So, they decided to start a family, of course, after they got their home, and they really had kids back to back to back from what I understand. They were yeah. very close in age. They had three boys in a four-year period. So help me. I don't even – I have a headache nope. thinking about that. I don't even need to comment because there's really nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so after the birth of their second child, Darlene decided that she wanted to pursue a career. And she thought she wanted to go into dentistry at first because she didn't like the way her teeth were. Which I thought they were fine. They looked perfect to me. I, know. I was, literally <laughs> saw something of her and was like, I wish I had her teeth. Yeah, yeah. They were like perfectly straight, perfectly white, perfectly yeah. everything. So everything I don't have in, in Thank teeth. Thank you. I know. <laughs> so she ended up not going that route, though. She ended up doing a nursing degree, and she really loved that work. She thought that that – once she started doing it, she said that she thought that was really her calling in life, yeah. and that's what she was really meant to do. And so she really loved it. And Keith would oftentimes be on the road for work as me- as much as like four days a week, which that has to be really hard. I can't imagine yeah. having a, a spouse who was gone that often. It's already hard enough as a stay-at-home parent just to yeah. be home all day long with yeah. the kids. And then if I didn't have that like 
6 p.m. time to yeah, look yeah, forward yeah. to every night, I mean, I would lose it. You yeah, know? Like, I know. I have I to have an adult. 6 p.m. on Friday, I'll see somebody. Right. That's too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't do that. More power to the people that can. Right. But you can see how it would, like, take a toll on a relationship. Sure. Having, not having all that time spent together in the evenings and stuff like that. So I can imagine that was hard for them, especially with three young sons. Right. That's, like I said, that's right hard. there. It's hard. Just, yeah. <laughs> so Keith's parents, of course, being that they lived right next door, would uh, help out with the kids and babysit, and they would give the couple time to spend either with each other or to spend just with friends, doing whatever they wanted to do, something fun, and that kind of became a regular thing. I gathered that the kids would go sit at grandma and grandpa's yeah. kind of frequently, and um, Darlene and Keith would go out and do their thing. Right. So Keith's father said in a Dateline interview that Keith did not really care for the way Darlene would handle the kids and that she would kind of let them go wild and scream a lot. And I can honestly just picture their household because I have two boys and I know how loud things can get and how fast things can take a really weird turn where suddenly everyone is making all kinds of weird noises and screeching and squealing (laughs) and like, I mean, it just, it. You speak from experience. I speak from experience. <laughs> so I can just imagine that um, what their what his father was meaning whenever he said yeah. that she would let the kids run wild. And, and I'm sorry, there is no letting sometimes. Sometimes no. it's just, it's not that you're letting them, but you just get to a point with it where you're like, I can't do this. Like yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, like there's, you want to quit, no- but there's no one to give your two week <laughs> notice to. So you're just right. stuck there with all the screaming. I've been right. there. Um, So by 2005, Keith's parents started to notice that something really was not quite right with their marriage anymore, and it seemed very strained, and they began spending a lot of their free time apart instead of together. Darlene would leave the kids with her in-laws so that she could go partying, basically, Hmm. Um, and they just no longer seemed really happy, and they started having a lot more frequent arguments, and most of their arguments were centered around this financial situation right which is a common argument in a marriage i would say and especially daily right (laughs) (laughs) i fight about it with you i know (laughs) by the way you still owe me for that cheeseburger i I brought over (laughs) nobody needs to know that (laughs) you ate one too so i don't want to hear it (laughs) yeah we i stopped at mcdonald's guys is anyone surprised yeah So Darlene was just one of those people who liked to have things a certain way. She liked to look a certain way. She liked for her home to look a certain way. She wanted a certain quality of material things, and she really would not have a problem just spending the money to buy those things. And probably did spend a lot of money on her looks and, you know, just makeup and clothes and all that stuff. She was a beauty queen, so... It's just like in her blood. I feel yeah. Like. like she just has to have it all. here with no makeup and I'm in an actual bathrobe um, over my clothes. <laughs> we know nothing about this life. <laughs> nope. Um, despite the couple's downward spiral, Keith was determined to make it work for the sake of their children. He was a very wonderful father and it was a role that was really important to him. And he even had told friends and family through their troubles and everything that he wasn't going to leave her and the kids. Like he just wasn't going to do that. So, you know, it's pretty commendable. Yeah. Very admirable. I would say on uh, Wednesday, November 9th, 2005, around 6 15 AM Keith's father, who again, they live next door. He was awake and reading the newspaper and noticed there were where there was police activity at his son's house, which that has to be 
terrifying. I would say so. If you and it's Nobody's like early you. in the morning, it's yeah. so early, and it's like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, yeah, nothing good happens at that point. Um, so he wants to know what's going on, and he goes outside and is greeted by police officers who tell him to stay in his own yard. Um, he tells the police that his son and grandsons live there, but police would not give him any information and told him to just stay on his property, which. I would lose my mind. Lose your mind. I would absolutely. They would have to handcuff me because I would, I would be like. you the whole thing. Yeah. I would be like, nope, I'm going in. <laughs> like, you know, like you're not keeping me out of there. Hey, look, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other way. <laughs> oh, man, we're the worst. So little did Keith's parents know that Darlene had placed a 911 call just a short time earlier that morning to report that her husband had been shot and was lying on the bed making, quote, gurgling sounds. In the 911 call, she tells the operator that she believes someone had broken into their home and shot Keith. She claimed that she'd been sleeping in her son's room because he was sick and had a hard time sleeping. And when she woke up that morning, she found a door open, all her husband's guns missing from the safe. And then she found her husband gravely injured in the couple's bed. So. Already right off the bat, it sounds fishy. Right. But she says this in the 911 call. Her 911 call was basically... Here's here's everything that happened, and then right. my husband is right. Shot. Yeah, the first words out of her mouth were, uh, "I was sleeping in my son's room." It's because like she was sick, and, right? She's yeah, yeah. all all right. It's alibi, right? And it's that just blows my mind. I feel like that is like the biggest like piece of tell, right? That she definitely had is not telling the truth right. anyway, because that does, if you really came upon something like that, I mean, the first hysterical words out of your mouth are going to be like, my husband has been shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I need an ambulance to come right now. Like you're right. not going to be going into your backstory yeah, no. before you even tell them what the problem is, yeah. you know? Well, I, I've always had like compassion for people that have gone through these kind of things. And you like, what are you going to say on a 911 call? You just don't know what's going to spit out of your mouth no, at all. You don't. I had to call 911 earlier this year for something with my son. And I used to think, I can see how people go through this. But I literally was like, you got to get here now. Just just come. This is what happened. And But I wasn't going into this backstory. Like, we were at the park earlier, and now we're home. And I was in the other room, and blah, 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 blah. He had an allergic reaction. But anyway, um, okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, after having to make an 911 call myself – I realized, no, you're just getting to the points. You're right. You just want help as quickly as possible, and you're gonna get it as quick as you can. I heard on um, one podcast I listened to, Gone at Twenty One. Um, they talked about how, like in this police interrogation video, how people, if they don't say the person's name, if they kind of go around all of the details and give you all this, it's basically a huge indicator of they're kind of detaching themselves from from right. It. From, from what they have done or what they could have been involved in. So, anyhow. Anyhow. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, police uh, rushed to the scene where they were expecting to find a burglar- burglary situation that involved a shooting. When they arrive at the home, they find multiple guns laying on the front yard, which, what? You're breaking right. in the house and stealing guns, but right. you're not taking the guns with right. you? Right. That is so odd. Like, why? why? <laughs> I mean, if I was the officers, I would have definitely been... Oh, they were. They're on like audio saying yeah. like, this doesn't look right. Right. Something about this is just not right. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like a typical burglary scene yeah. that they would go in Which on. Which you want them to assess it, but you basically want them to take the, to follow the facts. You don't want them to come up with an assumption right away that she's done something. You want them to follow the facts where they lead you. So there was some discrepancies and conversation about that in her trial so once they secured the house and got Darlene and the kids to a safe place, the EMTs were able to enter and attempt to save the life of Keith. 
So figure they're still thinking there could be somebody inside the house right. as they go through it. They actually um, had put Darlene and the kids in a back bedroom of the house to kind mm-hmm. of just corral them in there until they could clear the house. Like an officer asked her if she would stay in there so he could clear her house and then right. they could get the help to go in and help her husband. So she did that, sat in the back room, and I don't know. All of that just seems like so just crazy to me like I don't know that is a weird practice in my opinion to like have them stay in the house like you would think they would take them outside and like or like across the street is my in-laws can I just walk over there please yeah Yeah, it doesn't make sense and to have them in there with the dad I don't know that's just an upset yeah they're gonna hear everything going on right and they already know I mean kids yeah they're kids and they don't know everything but they are a lot more observant than you give them credit for and so of course, the, these little boys see police cars and right. fire trucks and yeah. ambulances right in their front yard, you yeah. know? And so it's like, mm, I don't know. It just, it really is sad to think about that. For sure. So um, despite having a background in nursing, Darlene did nothing to render aid to her dying husband. Um, she said that her thoughts were immediately to get her children and get them to safety and claimed not to know why she didn't do anything and try to save Keith's life at that moment. Here's the thing. I kind of get that you don't want your kids to see any of that no No. you would not that's nothing against my husband or anything but my husband would agree that he'd want me to get the kids and get them to safety you know what I mean and get him away from seeing anything yeah yeah no because yeah no I can't think of anything more horrifying than like your kids walking in and like seeing you trying to like revive like their dad like that's awful I mean she has a perfect like run them to their grandparents house come right back and help like I wouldn't care if somebody was in the house that wouldn't be my issue it would be for my kids but for me I wouldn't care I'd want to help my husband but to not do anything not to bring them across the street mm-hmm. that just yeah. doesn't add up to and me. especially when you have a background in nursing and so you are fully trained like you're you know her brain has to immediately go into like medical mode yeah whenever she sees something like that so it is but kind heard, of weird but also not like you said I've heard people say that when it's themselves or their family member even with a background in nursing sometimes it's it's not even the nursing that takes over it's still your emotional right whatever so I guess it depends on what kind of how your brain works I don't know I don't know it just doesn't make sense to me that having her in-laws across the street she didn't just run them over right I'll never buy into that no yeah I don't know are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home introducing dash pass from DoorDash your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings with dash pass you gain exclusive access to unlimited zero dollar delivery fees on eligible orders along with members only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants need groceries from across town or anything in between dash pass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away delivered right to your door with dash pass not only do you enjoy zero dollar delivery delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. 
I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. So a short while later, the EMTs took Keith out on a stretcher, and it was really at this moment that his parents, who of course had been watching from their front lawn, were able to realize, you know, the magnitude of the situation and that something really, really bad had happened. And, you know, they said they saw him on a stretcher with like the breathing masks and everything on. And so he was taken to the hospital, barely clinging to life, but he was alive. He was breathing and they rushed him to the hospital. So dispatch had been informed that there was a burglary where the homeowner had been shot, but police were almost immediately suspicious of Darlene's story. The gun safe that she says was opened and cleaned out completely no guns left in it um there was no signs of forced entry at all and it appeared that that had actually been opened with a key and i had heard on one of the documentaries that we watched on this that it actually had a glass front right so if it was really like a burglar trying to do a quick snatch and grab like they would have just busted out the glass i mean they're not not going to go hunting around looking for a key so that they can open this gun safe you know Or Everyone's anything like that. Uncle in the South has this gun, <laughs> right? Like you can picture it <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, so the weapons that were on the front lawn also, of course, raised some red flags, which we talked about a little bit. Um, and so, just with really within a few minutes of speaking to Darlene and hearing and putting together all of these yeah. things, the police pretty much right away had already talked amongst themselves and were saying something's not right here. I, yeah. And then one of them actually said, I think she did it. Yeah. Well, this is just minutes after they get there. So yeah. it's like, she did a really crappy job of setting this up. Oh, it, none of that makes sense. If she, if she's to guilty, which we'll get there, uh, you, who steals guns and then leaves them on the lawn? That right. That make makes sense. no sense. You did nothing. You went in, shot a man, stole his gun. And put him on the front lawn. And, yeah. Like right. laid him out for him to dry. I right. don't understand the point here. And by the way, he was shot one time. It was a single shot. So it's not like a, a frantic situation where a burglar is surprised or something yeah. and just fires away. You know, yeah. this was a very precise one shot. Yeah. Well, like placed, you know, yeah. where they the person who shot him wanted it. And like, so, mm, yeah, I would be a little, I think as a police officer, I would be suspicious yeah. of that whole situation. And plus he was in bed. So it's like, what was... You know, was he fighting you? No, right. It's not. Yeah, it just doesn't. There's no motive. (laughs) No, it makes no sense. No. So police said that a burglar would not typically shoot someone unless they were confronted, which clearly didn't happen since Keith was still in bed, like I said. And they asked Darlene to just come down to the station for a formal interview. I feel like you know you're in trouble if the police are like, we need you to to come with us, like, down. Because I feel like normally they will just question you there on the site, and then they'll say, okay, we'll get in touch or, you know, whatever. But if they ask you to go to the police station, you know. Well, yeah, 
Or you should know that know. you are in trouble. <laughs> I had this conversation with my husband. I was like, by the way, if anybody ever asks you for anything, unless you've killed me, but if any other reason they ask you to go to the station, you ask for a lawyer immediately. Right. He's like, what? No, that makes you look guilty. I was like, no. No, 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 no. I've watched confession tapes on Netflix oh, and yeah. you will go to jail for a That life. show is crazy. It's too upsetting. It is crazy. It's too upsetting. Yeah, if you guys don't watch that, you should. When Darlene got to the police station, she told the police that she was going to be willing to fully cooperate. She gave a sample of her DNA. She did her fingerprints. She did it all. And, you know, of course, is saying she has nothing to do with this. And right. so, of course, she's going to be willing to help the investigation along, yeah. just like a wife would do. Right. So she told police that she had been at a friend's house the night before and had returned home between 8 and 9 p.m. She said that her and Keith had discussed some of their financial problems and the conversation got a little bit heated, but she actually left the house and left him there alone to kind of mull it over and kind of a cool down period. And when she... Been there. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And when she returned to the home... Keith was a lot more level-headed, and she says that they had a completely regular civil discussion, and it was a productive conversation, and there was no arguing, and which I just don't, I mean, I guess it's possible, but if you, I don't know how you go from, like, it's such a heated argument that someone has to leave the premises yeah. to, like, okay, we, I just came back, and then we just sat down and had a little tea yeah. party and talked about no, it. No, like, it's you know, typically like, you come back and say, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Like, I'm going to bed, yeah, yeah, don't, I'm going to bed. and don't lay next to me. Yeah. <laughs> You sleep out there. I love you. I hope you don't die in the middle of the night. Right. Because I'd feel really terrible. But not I'm going to kill you. Right. Right. Darlene said that the two of them actually went to bed together, but that since the kids were sick, she said all three of them were sick, which I understand whenever one is sick, then it just spreads like wildfire to everyone and their friends. (laughs) So the kids were up and down all night because of this illness they had, and she was kind of up and down with them. She said she went to the living room, turned on a movie. She would go lay another the kids' beds, and they were just kind of up and down all night. I believe all of this. I do, too. This all sounds very typical. So. Very familiar. <laughs> so she was still in the baby's bedroom when she woke up on the morning of November 9th. She said that she was awakened by the baby, like, climbing all over her head, which, again – I understand. Adds up. I, I can perfectly envision this. Yeah. And um, but so, so she realized the time that it was and that she was already kind of getting a late start to her day and she really needed to get up and get moving. And so she got the kids up, started doing their normal morning routine. And then I guess she just felt a cool breeze and she was like, oh, the back door's wide open. Yeah. This is what she says. And so she went to go shut the door and on her way she realized that the gun case is wide open, all the guns are missing, and she got scared according to her, and thought maybe someone was in the house. And so she says that she started calling out for her husband, telling him to get up and, you know, come check out whatever's going on. And she gets no response from him. So then she goes into the bedroom and she hears this, you know, what she describes as gurgling sounds and looks over on the bed basically and sees her husband with a gunshot wound to the head, laying in bed on his back and all this. And what was the other thing she said that just was was so... pink foam coming from his mouth. Yes. It was too much. Yeah. Yeah, we are not real big on the descriptive... Like, I don't really need a vision of all that because it's just terrible. But uh, that's what she said. So that was her official statement. Yeah. So that, which, I've never heard of that's what she said be so that's bad. What she, that's what <laughs> I normally said. enjoy them and that I didn't was even realize a big downer. That. Oh my god. You ruined that phrase for me now. <laughs> so detectives said that Darlene showed little interest in her husband's condition and never really even asked how he was doing. 
after he they took him to the hospital and right. they're interviewing her and which you would think like, that would be weird you would think like I can't do an interview right now yeah. because the only thing I'm thinking about is whether or not my husband's yeah. going to survive. I would say, can we do this at the hospital? Like, let me right. sit in the room with them. Right. I don't care. Like, I have got to go and like, yeah. I, you know, I have three children whose dad was just killed. Like, you know, I can't be sitting here talking to you. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what, I mean, that's what I would say. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But well, I would also Mandy's be Mandy's working on her alibi already. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> So about an hour into Darlene's police interview, the hospital called the police station with an update on Keith. And it was a very unfortunate and sad update. And it was that Keith was now brain dead and was not thought to be going to be able to come out of this. So they actually needed the police to bring Darlene up to the hospital so that she could consent to removing life support and to consent for organ donation. Right. And so a few moments after they stopped the life support, Keith did pass away. Another problem I have with this, if if you have me in a police, you know, interrogation or whatever, and my husband is, you know, dying, and you're telling me to pull the plug, can I spend a little bit of time in there with right. him? Right. I don't want to like, just, right. No, we, if he, he's being kept alive on life support, that's the whole point. Can we give it a little bit of time? Do we have to immediately sign things away? That doesn't, I wouldn't be so quick to sign. No. I hope my husband's happy about that answer too. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> Darlene eventually realized that the police were suspecting her of murder. So she finally realizes this after hours of talking to them, I guess, and realizing that their line of questioning is basically like pointing fingers at her. I'm concerned about her abilities as a nurse (laughs) if she's just catching on to this. Right. So she eventually is like, do I need to get a lawyer? And this is after she's already like given them like hours of interview. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it's a little late for that now. Do I need a lawyer? Right. If you have to ask, you probably needed one three hours ago. (laughs) So she did eventually lawyer up, so to speak. And of course, at that point, all of the police questioning had to stop and anything that they were doing in her home, as far as looking for evidence, they had to stop doing all of that because once you get a lawyer, they're not allowed to just go and do any of that now. Now it all has to go through all the legal right. mumbo jumbo crazy stuff, which I know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> so and guilty podcast isn't even a thing anymore, so we can't even ask them. Oh my gosh. Don't even. That's No, it's on a hiatus, but we're, we... We feel responsible that we've taken this whole thing down and <laughs> we really liked Guilty Podcast and you should write them and tell them that you want them to make new episodes. Yes. Even if they only do them like once a month. I know. I would listen. somebody has to take the bar exam, so. Somebody. Continue. <laughs> so the detectives who were at the uh, Gentry house were searching for evidence and they had realized that one of Keith's weapons was actually missing from the home. They had checked registration records and were able to account for all of the firearms except for one, and it was a 22 caliber pistol that Keith's dad had given him a few years prior. It was a gift. Detectives became concerned that this must be the murder weapon, and they really wanted to find it so that they could confirm that right. and match it to, you know, the ballistics. Right. Did I help you with that word? Maybe. <laughs> So they found another bombshell piece of evidence in the home, and it was, surprise, surprise, a single 22 caliber shell casing, and it was in kind of a weird place, if you ask me. Not a place where you think you would find a shell casing. It was hidden inside of a latex glove that had been shoved all the way down to the bottom of the trash can. Rule number one. Don't hide things in your house. Don't hide it in your trash can. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The first thing they're going to do is see what you've thrown away. Right. (laughs) 
yeah. and then just wrapping it up in a latex glove like oh this will do yeah like just <laughs> oh just nobody want to stay out of jail i don't understand this this clearly was not planned out no um so investigators found a well on the property and they thought maybe that she had like ditched the gun in there. So they actually got a large magnet out there and suspended it by a rope and dangled it down to the bottom. It's all very technical. It's like a whole baby Jessica situation right. there. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't find anything there, but I thought that was funny. Not funny, but I thought it was, I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> we need just a list of adjectives to yes, use we on do. this. Somebody send me synonyms yeah, for, for basic synonyms. words. <laughs> How do you English, dear Google? (laughs) So once Darlene had acquired an attorney, like I said, police had to stop all the searching of the home, but they took that shell casing and glove with them as evidence because anything, I guess, that they found prior to them having to stop, they're allowed to keep. Well, because technically they had her consent at that point. Right. So as part of the investigation, police discovered that Keith had two life insurance policies totaling $750,000, which the police, of course, believed would be a good motive for Darlene to murder Keith, especially given that Darlene had already told them about their financial problems and their arguments that they've had over them. Yeah. So kind of as like, you know, whenever you're guilty of a crime, like one way or another, you're like, there's just no way to hide, to lie about it and hide it because like police are not stupid and like. You, you don't even have to be a, a detective to, like, realize, like, hmm. Like, she's, like, spoon-feeding them all the information they need to build a case against her. I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I just think it's funny and crazy how people just say things to police. and then, I know. Well, whenever she said they argue about finances, I was like, well, I probably wouldn't have said that. Right. That night. I mean, I... I wouldn't have told them that we literally argued the night before. Yeah. Yeah. I'd left and came back. Yeah. I don't know if I would go on that. Unless she'd already told like a friend she did that because then that's just going to come up later. Someone else is going to mention it. All right. Maybe she was smarter than I gave her credit for. She's not. No. I still think you should just keep your mouth shut. Just lawyer up. Right. Just don't talk to the police without a lawyer. It's just good advice. Also, we're very pro law enforcement. Yes, we are. we're also pro not going to jail for something you didn't do. Right. (laughs) So the police, of course, just didn't believe any of her story at this point. They really, really had a very strong feeling that she had something to do with it or that she at least knew more than what she was leading on. And they had a forensics team perform a DNA test of that latex glove. So on the outside of the glove, they found Keith's blood, which seems right like a bingo to me. Makes sense. But on the inside of the glove, it had Darlene's DNA. So the inside meaning the part that her hand was touching. Right. So... She said, well, I'm a nurse and I would have brought these home from work. So, of course, my DNA is going to be on there. But when do when does a nurse bring a glove home, though? Well, honestly, she had said that he was having some, what she say, blood sugar issues oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah, something like that. So maybe she was like testing his sugar levels at home or whatever. And that would make sense if there was blood on the outside of it, too. I'll give her that it one. Would. Point for Darlene. You can't really explain the shell casing inside the glove. Well, <laughs> That was unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, that was just really. Darlene, I was almost giving. I was almost helping you there. But also, just because you took the gloves, I mean, from your office, like, so your DNA would be on the outside of the glove then, because yeah, yeah. you wouldn't have put it on to take them home. Yeah, so that you still makes no sense. Drive around like, town with them on, right? And just like, what if you're a germaphobe? Maybe you would. <laughs> Maybe. So Darlene ends up being arrested that November 28th, later that month, and she immediately bonded out with a $50,000 bond, um, which we've read was raised in part by Keith's family. Right. They they were adamant that she had, was innocent. Yeah. And they loved her like a daughter. Right. So as she moves out 
um, as she leaves jail, she actually ends up moving in with the Gentries across the street because for one thing, how hard would it be to be in this home with your boys and, you know, these memories of your husband and stuff. So she ended up living over there. For a while. Yeah, for a while. For a few months. Yeah. And so during this time, she actually gets in touch with a home builder named Robert Pavelka. Uh, she wanted to know if there were any homes for sale as she was ready to move out of the home where Keith had been murdered, as we said. Um, she wants to start a fresh life with her kids. And I get it. I would not want to go back there. Guilty or not guilty. Right. Let's burn that house down. I right. don't want to be there anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So um, Pavelka gives Darlene directions to buy a piece of land that he had for sale out in the woods. So she's thinking of building this new life for her and the boys. And now she has this, you know, she's looking at this money coming in from a life insurance policy to be able to do this. Right. Um, And so she said that it was actually the perfect property and um, it had a nice pond on it, which she thought was really important because she wanted her boys to fish and that's like something they could have done with their dad, those sort of things. So Robert Pavelko was very adamant that she wanted this pond, this property because it had this wonderful pond. Um, So she tells him she'd take the property and she wanted to have a house built on it and Again, the pond was like her big selling point. He remembered that big time. Um, So this excitement from Darlene actually quickly turned into fear, and she called Pavelka again to ask if the pond could be filled in. That's odd. Doesn't make a whole (laughs) lot of sense. Yeah. She tells him that she thought it over with her family, and she realized that having a pond would be too difficult um, of a danger for small children. I get this. Right. I totally I agree. do get that. Um, I have a fun pond story. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Please tell the pond story. This is the best story I've had all week. Oh, my goodness, you guys. <laughs> so we were at Mandy's picking something up or dropping something off the other day, and we just let the kids run wild on Mandy's acre of property because they can. On Mandy's farm. <laughs> on Mandy's farm. Hashtag Mandy's farm. So um, my son, I guess, didn't realize it was like a pond area that you have. Yeah. So we have a concrete pond. It's not like a... It's a man-made pond, right? No? Well, it's concrete, so obviously. no. (laughs) Yeah, you know all the naturally occurring concrete ponds? I don't know how these things work. So it's not like a dirt pond, like in the ground, like, you know, in... in, It's a fancy pond. It's a, yeah, it's a concrete pond. Well, it's not that fancy because we just don't do anything fun with it. So anyway, this time of year, we get like a really big bloom of um, a certain type of algae, and then it actually covers the top of the water, and it makes it look very similar to grass. Like, you would definitely think that it was a solid surface, and like, if you didn't know there was water there, Right. It would you would right. think that it was just like another area, a landing or whatever yeah. that you could I mean it kind of looks like a mini golf course Basically. or something like that. So if you're four years old and you're on Mandy's farm and you're walking around <laughs> and you see, oh man, this is a great spot, one level to the next. And so my son just walked up to it and you just see him at the back of his head and you just see him like hop, like just to go. <laughs> next and he just turned around in a panic green everywhere he like stood up and he was like it's water mom yeah. <laughs> i like how quickly it's not deep though no it's not I, deep he didn't go underwater no, or anything like that i didn't even bother to run because i'm just so used to these kind of shenanigans i'm like just get out and mandy has a towel and he's like running around their yard naked none of these things are shocking to no. me at all just, this is our real life guys <laughs> normal story but when I remembered that this story had a pond I was like oh man this is I got a total pond life story so um so back to the story and my poor child's shame um so Pavelka thought um it was really strange that she no longer wanted this pond and that's kind of a weird thing to like say I want this property but 
fill in the pond anyway. Like, just buy another piece of property that doesn't have a pond. Let somebody else enjoy the pond. Right. I mean, Thank you. How dare you fill in a pond? It's like filling in a swimming pool to me. I don't I, get it. I don't get it either. I really Someone's don't. Someone's already done this. Right. <laughs> so um, he actually already knew that Darlene was a suspect in her husband's murder. And so he becomes suspicious and calls the police. He had like Love a friend it. on the police force. Yeah. Right. Like all he was thinking was like, well, this lady is, you know, a possible suspect for murder and she's asking me to fill in this pond. Like something seems a little fishy about that. So yeah. I'm going to contact my friend in the police force and just be like, hey, do you think this is weird? Because I think this is weird. I know. So, you know, like everything in my life is leading up to a moment I can call the police and get right. like <laughs> this kind of thing too. <laughs> <laughs> so as it turns out, the police did think it was weird and they wanted to check it out. So they had a dive team go out to the pond and they put him in the water. And of course, at this point, they do believe that they're they're searching for a weapon. They think that right. um, she may have like ditched the gun in the pond and then they're going to go and look for it. Right. So it only took them 15 minutes and they found what they were looking for. Right. They recovered a 22 caliber pistol that was uh, matching the description of the gun that they believed was used to shoot Keith Gentry in the head. So they knew, they being police, knew that they would need to find a way to solidly tie Darlene to the gun found in the pond and thus to the murder. Unless they can do that, you know, so they found a gun in a pond. Yeah. You know, unless they can prove it's that it was her. It's weird because she wanted the property, but it's Right, not, right. Well, obviously. definite. Right, exactly. Which you have to have definite. You know what I mean? If you're going to. Beyond a reasonable doubt. Right, yeah, exactly. And it's just funny, too, to hear her, like, try to. Well, I'll talk about yeah, that in a minute. Yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you're going to say. <laughs> so they devised a plan and they enlisted the help of Robert Pavelka again, since he was so willing to help them in the first place. They figured. He's male me. I would totally do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Pavelka was supposed to call Darlene and tell her that he needed to drain the pond first before he could fill it, which is legit. You can't just start filling a water hole. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out, how that happened. But... Yeah. <laughs> no, that would take. No, I don't understand no. concrete ponds, so you know, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the police were hoping that Darlene would kind of panic and return to, you know, thinking that, oh my gosh, they're going to drain this pond and they're going to see this gun just like right. laying down there. So they were hoping that she would feel that way and that she would actually return to the pond and try to look for the gun. Right. And of course, she would know which area she threw it in. So right. if they caught her coming back and looking in the pond in the area where they found the gun, well, then they're going to be like, bingo. Yeah. The only reason you'd be there is because you're looking for what you threw in there. Right. So they actually set up a video camera in the woods and faced it towards the pond, and it was all this big secret, and they were just hoping to get her on camera going and doing this. They want to catch her. So they staked out the area. The police actually sat around for almost two days. They just stayed in their car around the clock, morning, That's noon, and night. That's a good job. Honestly, I would be Dude, okay with that. Yeah, if all good. I have to do is just sit there and watch things. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the rest of their job is incredibly dangerous, but right? <laughs> I can take the pizza on the side of the road. Gig. Yeah, I feel like the stakeout is like would be a, it's ultimate. like a vacation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the stakeout on this is a vacation, right? A lady in a pond. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So they waited and waited, like I said, about two days later, and here comes Darlene pulling up in her SUV. I believe that um, Robert Pavelka actually had to contact her a second time because they were worried that she wasn't going to come. Right. And so he contacted her again and had said, like, hey, I can't get to the pond until tomorrow or whatever he said. And so then they waited a little bit more. Well, then here she comes. She pulls up in the SUV. She gets out, walks in towards the woods, and 
had on these like mucking boots basically oh, yeah. and just wades right into the pond right into the area where the gun was found so they she was looking for several minutes and then finally of course didn't she doesn't realize that the police already have the gun so yeah. it's not even there anymore right. this is all just a setup and um so she searches around for a while and then finally gives up and just turns around and walks off and leaves real quick if you thought you could be in trouble for this gun would you give it 10 minutes or would you just be in there until the sun came down oh yeah i would be all over that pond yeah i'd be swimming <laughs> i'd have like all my goggles and stuff on but she was like in there for a while and they were like she was going to town and if you watch the video she's got a stick and she's just hitting around but the police had actually put a stick in the pond kind of to show where they found it so they right. knew exactly where the gun was found and she was all over that area she wasn't on the other side of the pond she knew exactly where she had thrown it right exactly so now they have her on camera doing this and like i said they didn't she didn't realize they had already taken the gun and already had sent it off to you know the forensics lab and everything so that they could confirm whether or not this was the weapon that was used to kill keith so they were able to confirm that the shell casing that they found inside of that latex glove was fired from the gun they found in the pond and that was enough that's all they needed to indict darlene for the murder so during her trial the jury was able to hear the 911 tape that we talked about earlier that was just very strange and scripted sounding yeah and they were presented with all the physical evidence which there was not really a ton of physical evidence that they were saying this was kind of a circumstantial case until they had found the gun and then that was the that's really all they needed the glove and the shell Mm, i mean that's yeah that's something right So the final piece of evidence that was presented to the jury was that videotape of Darlene searching the pond. And they showed them that right before the prosecution rested their case. So that was like the last thing they saw is like this blonde beauty queen wading into this like nasty pond and, you know... Try to explain that one, Darlene. She did try to explain it. Did you hear her explain that? I did. It was infuriating. All of it is infuriating. If you hear her... Okay, um... Okay. So she has done interviews, multiple yeah, interviews, lots. and it is like she is so full of herself. Like I wanted to jump through the TV and just like smack this woman because the way she talks about this case and about her husband's death and the way she like describes it and maintains how innocent she is and yeah. just says like, you know, I, of course I didn't hurt him. Like, and just, she just blows off all of the evidence yeah. um, against her. Well, and it's like, really? Like you're, you're sick in the yeah. head. Like that you can actually sit there and describe to police like that you heard these gurgling sounds and that he had this pink foam coming out of his mouth. I'm like, you shot him. Like, yeah. You know, like that's so crazy to me that she could just sit there and say, that's like psychopathic. Like the, the pond thing was really upsetting to me because she said, well, I heard rumors around town that somebody found the gun in and I just decided to go look myself. Well, why, why? would you call the police or right. have your lawyer call the police and say, we've heard these things. Could you please check it out? Like get a dive team in there. Why on earth are you going to want to Go in there yourself, dummy. But she was like, oh, I realized after that was a bad idea. You think? I mean, it was a great idea, really. I'm I'm super happy with it. Right. But no. Sometimes I feel like uh, if you could give me any other motivation in this case, that's one thing. But to somebody steal all the guns and put them outside and then shoot somebody and then ditch it in the new property you're buying, like, that doesn't add up at all. Mm -mm. It doesn't add up for anyone else to have done that no exactly like who else would have had why would you break into somebody's house to shoot them and steal their guns and lay them outside no right exactly and that's what they're saying that's why they police from right from the beginning they were like no that's not really how a burglary goes down i think she was ticked off when she when he went to bed and she was just 
steaming over it. So when do you think she shot him? In the middle of the night or in the morning? Like, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, when did she do this? How long had he been laying there in the bed like that? Because you would think that by 6 a.m. she would be, I mean, that's a long time from 9 p.m. You know what I mean? Like, you would think that by then things would have been calmed down and like – you know, so it makes me wonder, like, when did she do this? And like, I, I don't know. I almost think she shot him and panicked, which because why else wouldn't she have shot him more than once? You know what I mean? Like, right. It, after you've shot him and you realize, oh, my gosh, I've done this. And then she's just waiting it out. Because what if you call 911 right then? Then then he's going to be able to identify right. that you did this. Right. Man, we're really trying to get people out of murder, um, murder charges. <laughs> That's not the case at all. I'm just very passionate about this because this is so upsetting. For her little boys and I know. for his parents, like, it's not fair. It's not no, fair that she it's was terrible. so selfish. So she continues, like I said, to maintain her innocence and just talks candidly about this as if she has nothing to do with it. And I wrote in my notes here that it's sick and disgusting how she can sit there and describe, like, his final moments knowing that yeah. she shut was... shut up, darling. Right. Like, no one's making you do these interviews. Like, you no. don't have to keep telling this lie over and over again. Like, nobody wants to hear anything come out of your mouth at but this I point. But I have really good news. She looks terrible now. Like, uh, the last <laughs> photos I saw of her, like, this month. Um, She's she not aging awful. well. No, it's... <laughs> I was glad to see that. So in February 2010, though, she actually challenged her conviction and basically is accusing the police of misconduct and and the prosecutors and saying that they that the police and prosecutors used Robert Pavelka to frame her and set her up and it's like why why would they do that you know what I mean if anything this like beautiful mom of three if anything they're going to be looking for other possible suspects because everyone's not going to want to see that being the outcome right like it's not like she's like some thug on the street and they're like we're just going to pin this on her because it's a good fit like yeah it's not a good fit you know what i mean yeah. so it's just crazy to me that she alleges that they you know mishandled everything yeah. and the evidence well i mean i guess if i was in prison the rest of my life i'd be well you could try to fight it yeah i would do something <laughs> but if i i don't know this just is so upsetting it's i have a hard time whenever people have especially this much evidence and they can't say i mean I guess this person's selfish anyway, but they can't say I was wrong and I did this and hope that there's forgiveness down the road for them and hope that there's, you know, their kids apologizing to them and to the family instead of living this lie forever. They're just or gonna use live your story for something good. Like turn, do something with yourself. Well, yeah, yeah, you're in prison, but a lot of people do things from prison right. that end up being successful whether they become an author or whether they you know whatever we've had a few cases where they've done <laughs> they've done something I mean I guess they've done have, good they've done good was it Carla Faye Baker in um, Texas who was executed several years ago she was like one of the last female Im- inmates to be executed in Texas or anywhere I think but she had turned her life around but she was very adamant on what she did and her responsibility right. and when you hear that and then she's like I didn't want my life to that to be the story of my life and she wanted to change it. I love that. Right. Me too. I, I can respect that. Can't respect murdering someone. No. But, um, I, yeah, I can respect that when people go to prison and, and realize that they have, there is other things they can do. Like, yeah. And, you know, they can make the most of their yeah. life in prison, I guess. Well, make the other person's life 
you know, like they got cut short. So do something with your life. Right. And just admit to your faults. My goodness. Right. Yeah. So basically if I kill anybody, I'm going to have to admit it. I right. just said that. So who has the three little boys? Does I, I didn't read or see anything um, about so where they she were. She challenged it this year, actually, that she wanted the kids to move in with her parents, but they're actually living with um, his parents. And so she filed all these motions for the kids to live with her parents. But I don't understand that. I'll never quite understand, like, a kid living with the murderer's mm, parents. Family. That doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. So, um, so they have them, which I thought was really good because they love their son and they love those boys and, you know, did everything they could to help them. So that was a good thing. That's so awful. Oh my gosh. It just makes me, it just gives me like chills to even think about like those poor kids growing up and, you know, they're going to know that their mom is not around and that their mom like killed their dad. I mean, that's, that's really awful. Both your parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're both gone. Yep. Well, we went on a big old tangent about our feelings on Darlene. <laughs> but we basically do this about everything. So um, anything else you wanted to say on the case? There's a couple of On My Datelines that have come in today. Do you want to read those? Oh, yes. I want to read our On My Datelines. I've got several. So before that, um, our store is momsandmurder.threadless.com. We have a new design featuring a chicken named... Um, Mrs. Mother Clucker. Mrs. Mother Clucker. <laughs> the Amy. I love it so much. The lovely Amy from Instagram and, and everywhere um, made up the name for us. And Nikki T. Um, Nikki T. Nikki T. <laughs> she designed for us. So that is going to be up. And then we'll also have two more designs with the Moms and Murder podcast um, logo written on there. So if you wanted Moms and Murder merch, but you wanted to make sure people knew it was a podcast and not a cult, um, we'll have the word <laughs> podcast added to those. So check those out. Um, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast. We appreciate all those patrons a lot. It's so very, very nice of you guys to support us. We really do appreciate it. Um, and so here are our, I'm, I'm sorry, hashtag on my dateline. So the first one is from Carolyn R on Facebook it says, uh, Hashtag on my dateline, you'll need at least two boxes of wine to get through it. I love that. (laughs) I love that because I was like, well, let's see. Is it because it's going to be so crazy and long that you need that? Or is it because it's just going to blow your mind so much that you just need the wine? Either way, I'm down for the boxed wine. So (laughs) That's all Mandy cares about. Um, The next one is Cassie T from our Facebook group. And hers is hashtag on my dateline. This is a wordy one, but she's so good with words that I just love it. So um, hashtag on my dateline, they'll only say the killer's name once and they'll use the most unflattering photo for him, like a sideways mugshot, you know, the kind where it looks like you fell out of a tree and hit every branch on the way down. (laughs) Um, My kids will do heart-wrenching interviews about how incredible I was and it'll end with one of those vigils where everyone releases a lantern up into the sky while taps plays. I'm willing to (laughs) substitute bagpipes playing Amazing Grace here. (laughs) Anderson Cooper, who she, for whatever reason, wants Anderson Cooper to do her dateline, will be moved to tears as he concludes that mine was a life well lived while everyone in the background enjoys s'mores and wine and swapping awesome stories about me. That should about do it. (laughs) I love Cassie so much. That's so flipping great. Um, A couple more. People really like this one, so we'll do it. Um, So this is from at Reality TV Pod. I recently found out about her um, podcast because she covers 90 Day Fiance. So if you like 90 Day Fiance (laughs) and Teen Mom 2 and all of those things, she covers them. So it's at Reality TV Pod, the um, 
the podcast is called Welcome to Reality TV. Um, and so she said, I love a good Rocky Mountain Vista with Keith Morrison narrating hashtag on my dateline. Also, hashtag wine. So we have a common theme there. We have two more. So Amanda H. from our Facebook group is hashtag on my dateline. The reenactments will be a level of drama everyone will be envious of. Hashtag Dramanda. Oh my gosh. Okay. I fell out and died when I read that because of course my name is Amanda. So, but I've always, you know, you always hear, that's one I've never heard. Okay. That's one play on Amanda. I've never heard and I love it and I'm totally going to start using it. Thank you so much, Amanda, for putting that out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Amanda. I'm yeah. really, really happy. Well, because I think we're else. all tired of Amanda. Oh. <laughs> like stupid ones. I'm not. I haven't even used that. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, and then our last one is from Amber on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my heart. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites. So um, hers is, um, on my dateline, I saved myself from becoming a victim. But my dog is the real hero because he warned me that this creep was in my house. So. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but you're not going to get a dateline story for that one. So. Nope. Sorry. You only get a dateline when something terrible yeah, happens to you. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, and a bonus one. Because, of course, Mankiewicz has got to be a part of this. Um, Tiffany from Twitter. On my dateline, Josh Mankiewicz must make this face a minimum of three times. And it's basically just the same smirk he likes to make on But his show. eyes are half closed. But his eyes are half closed. <laughs> which he replied, I look asleep, but simultaneously irritated. I so, can't believe he replies to us. please just get him stop. off of our feet? Please stop encouraging him. I'm getting scared. We're going to end up on a dateline where Josh Mankiewicz will have killed us. And then <laughs> And then talks said, about it. Yeah. Oh, man. He'll interview himself from jail. And <laughs> oh, my God. This is what they deserved. <laughs> Don't let that happen. So, okay. My goodness. This went on far too long. We have a couple of promos this week, and I'm super excited about these. The first one is Criminology Podcast. So this past season, this first season of theirs, they covered the Zodiac Killer. And, oh, I love that one. Oh, my goodness. And they cover it in such detail. Like, I just had no idea about any of this. Like, the first episode, I was like, I've never even heard of one of these things. So it's really, really great. And the day you're listening to this, which is November 14th and on, the History Channel is actually going to have a special or a special on the Zodiac. And one of the guys from Criminology was actually, I think, a consultant. On oh, that wow. Show. That's yeah. awesome. So really, really cool. Yeah. And our second promo is from the lovely ladies, Allie and Charlie with Insight. And this is like, I don't even know what's happening. This is one of those shows. <laughs> this is the podcast that like gets you into podcasts. Right? Like, <laughs> this is like, I listened to them so long ago and you know, like I loved listening to them. I heard about Generation Y, then I heard about them. And then I was like, you know what? I want to do a podcast. Not that I- <laughs> She like started dreaming real big after she heard Insight. <laughs> no, but not like I could ever do what they were doing. But I just thought like, I really like what they were doing. And it just was interesting to me. And I, I just thought they were great. And they cover amazing cases, a ton of stuff you'll never hear about any other way, but listening to them. So they are absolutely lovely. And I'm so excited that we're playing their promo. This is like- Me too. Hashtag Me too. Big. Yeah, yeah. So I've done too many hashtag references. I gotta stop. I'm much too old for that. But <laughs> so anyway, so please check them out if you haven't, which you've listened to them. But if you're like the weird person that hasn't heard of them, then I'm sorry for calling you weird, but also please listen to them. They're really great. Yeah. So check those out. And we'll be on Lainey's show. We're all just pretending reading a secret sometime this week. So watch us screw up somebody else's life. Right. <laughs> check out her show as well. So have a great week. So sorry this is a long one. Take care. 
Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. This is Charlie from the Insight Podcast. And this is Ali, two hosts from Two Continents. Every week, we cover a new case from unsolved mysteries to forgotten history to crimes that changed or challenged our legal system in some way. To get to know us and our podcast better, we recommend our episodes on Jean Spangler, Nicholas Barclay, the missing kid at the centre of the documentary The Imposter, and Alison Baden-Clay. New episodes go up every Monday. You can find us on iTunes and pretty much every other podcast. Hey, True Crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Morph. And we'd like to invite you to try out our podcast, Criminology. In this True Crime podcast, Morph and I go into every single detail of a case over an entire season. And the first season is on the infamous Zodiac and is out right now. So do us a favor, go check out Criminology to get your true crime fix. You can subscribe to Criminology on iTunes or on your favorite Android app. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.